Warning, this podcast contains graphic and triggering language and content that may upset and disturb some listeners. Please seek professional help if needed. Welcome to What's Your 20. I'm your host, Emily Zufeld. The concept behind What's Your 20 is a mental health check-in. This isn't just for first responders and armed forces. It's for anyone who's experienced or dealt with trauma. It's going to be a look at where you've been, where you're headed, but more importantly, where are you right now? I'm inviting you along to join me and my guests on this journey where we'll be navigating, managing, and living life with PTSD. I'd like to welcome Chad Kennedy from C to C for PTSD on the podcast this week. Now, Chad, I'm so excited because you're actually in my home city. Normally, I travel all over the place to go do the podcast, but you came from Alberta to me. <laughs> to you, just to meet you <laughs> yeah. here in Ottawa. <laughs> Thank you. This is week 19, isn't it? Uh, we just wrapped up week 19, yes. Okay, and over 3,800 kilometers so far, guys? Yes. That's amazing. Now, you started in Cranbrook, BC, yes. April 4th. yes. Where do you think you're going to end up? Uh, well, we're going to end things in Moncton, uh, first week of October, and then head home and deal with life. And June 15th of next year, we'll come back out and we'll finish off the Maritimes. Oh, okay. Why, why the break? You don't want to be doing it in winter? Well, no. Uh, one of our team members has a surgery booked that he does not want to miss. I'm going to go back and I'm going to deal with uh, with my career, see what's going to happen with that, finish my healing and enjoy some family time. Absolutely, because you've been gone for quite some time. Yes, and you get lonely out here on the road. I thought you had a couple guys with you. Well, I got I got a yeah. <laughs> it's it's different. Yes. I'm not needing that kind of love. Love you, Derek. Now, what's the mission? What's the point behind C2C for PTSD? Well, we I'll go back to the the inception. July 18th of 2020, for those that don't know my story, I went through a, a horrible traumatic experience in Jasper National Park. Two weeks after that event, I had found my darkest hour. I speak freely about it now. I no longer sugarcoat it. It's uh, the night I was to die by suicide. And thankfully, with the help of Captain Morgan, I flipped a really dark place into uh, what has become a very happy place. I uh, decided to walk the country to raise awareness of post-traumatic stress. And here we are today. So it was it was that night I should have died. I didn't die. And we're just here talking with uh, fellow emergency service workers and our veterans. I'd like to perhaps say that a, I think a version of you did die that night and a different version was reborn. Yeah, that's a great way of thinking it. Yes. Yeah, reframe that, right? This new me and, and to me a renewal on life. There's been a whole lot of positives over the last two years. So I, I'm thankful to be on this side of the dirt. Yes. Yes. Now let's take a step back further. You had started to slip, so to speak, or you were recognizing changes in yourself in 2017? Yes. Oh, I was just an angry individual. I was a toxic person. Thankfully, my dad, who is a PTSD warrior, kind of pushed me, kicked my ass actually right to my doctor's office because he was seeing the signs of what he went through and what he had been going through with anger. And that sort of got the ball rolling. So 2018, I got introduced to my first psychologist who really had no clue on how to deal with, with our types of traumas. Right. So that scared me away from the mental health world. Absolutely. Uh, I said, man, this is, I, I think like most of us, I'll rely on medication before ever going back to a place that's going to hurt me worse. And I kind of coped for a couple of years. Okay. How were you coping? 
Uh, well, it was work was always my my safe place. I worked as much as I could. Was that more of an avoidance as a, well? A, a lot of avoidance at home. I understand that it's not such an uncommon thing. Not at all. That that work becomes that uh, that safe place and avoidance with any issues at home. Medication kept me in check, thankfully. Thankfully, no substance abuse. I, you know, I'm a beer and rum kind of guy. I still enjoy that stuff, but I didn't go down that path of addiction dependence mm-hmm. or self-medicating. Yeah, and then July of 2020, it, uh, it... It was the kicker. It was the kicker. Okay. So now, what's your history? You were with the RCMP for a time first? Eight years as an auxiliary member with the RCMP uh, in northern Alberta. So I, I was... Yeah, I was exposed to a lot of stuff. Right. Really bad stuff. I'm just going on... I'll just be completing my 15th year with the Alberta Sheriff Highway Patrol. Okay. You were with the Alberta Sheriff's Highway Patrol when the bus crash happened. Yes. So there's yourself, the bus crash happens. It happens to be a, a tour bus. Yes. And you're first on scene. Or- yeah, I'm one of, one of six law enforcement officers that were first on scene. We didn't have EMS or fire. We had a couple of volunteer search and rescue people with us, but literally helpless. We had no tools to do what needed to be done on the side of a mountain. Basically, you've got first aid kits trying to deal with mass casualty and fatalities. Yes. Okay. So then two weeks after, you said, is when you hit that precipice. Yes. Was there something on that two-week point that knocked you over the edge? You had your breakdown. Yeah. So myself and, and my spouse at the time had spent two weeks on vacation with a lot of other family members. And that was two weeks where I was not able to speak about the horrors I faced on the side of a mountain one day. So I had a lot of stuff harbored within me. Uh, When we returned from vacation, yeah, one of those little tiny things that would be a little tiny thing to most people had set me off. I call it my PTSD meltdown. Okay. Yeah, and it was... uh, I don't want to pick on her because I, I know the challenges she had dealing with what I was going through. But it, that was our breaking point as well. Yeah. So I, I hit that that wall of, I was pissed off with myself, pissed off with her, pissed off with anybody involved with that bus incident, Yeah. upset with my agency, upset with my union. So everything just at that point was, I've had enough. It all came together crashing down. Yeah. What I find interesting, I just finished a podcast on marriage and PTSD, and they talk about 50% of marriages with one of the individuals who has PTSD comes to an end. Yeah. Did you find that there were struggles when you were experiencing PTSD back in 2017 within the marriage that, that basically whenever the tipping point happened, it was it was time to go? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There were, I think you hit that wall. You try and mask everything. You want a happy place at home. And the, the crap that comes out of our mouths, I don't think it's us. It's the demon. Uh, I just call it the demon in my head. Okay. Uh, we'll speak inappropriately and it hurts people. So I, I spent a lot of time trying to assess what I was doing to another person and a person who loved me. It was just a lot of time trying to fix something that was, I think, very broken because of what I was going through. Yeah. So at the end of it all, I, I actually pushed her away. I made the decision to leave. I couldn't watch her cry anymore. I couldn't watch her get frustrated with me. You know, where I would always throw the blame at her for poking the beast within me is when that fight or flight mechanism's broken, now I want to fight, I'm going to poke the beast within her. And it was was unfair to both of us. Right. So one of the the hardest decisions I, I had to make was 
To move on. To move on. Okay. Now you talk about this demon inside and how it comes out. Have you and the demon come to terms that you're living together and <laughs> uh, when he should put a muzzle on? <laughs> Pretty much. When I when I asked for help finally and got the real help I needed in February of 2021 and the amount of, uh, I guess it was extensive therapy, mm-hmm. um, especially the last two months leading up to the walk. But I think, yeah, we're on we're on pretty good terms right now. He knows if he pops into my head while I'm out walking, I'm just going to burn him off and and uh, replace him with a, a few positive thoughts and and push forward. Okay. Now you said you've now got proper help, so you do have a psychologist now. Yes, I do. And I understand you still have weekly appointments with your psychologist while you're on the road. Yes, every Wednesday. Okay. So how, when you said, I'm not going to go back to have another psychologist, how did you find your way back to find the proper one? Well, it's it's one of those things when I, February 3rd of 2021, yeah, I I put on my uniform. Man, it's a night shift. I love night shifts because lights and sirens are so much cooler at nighttime. They are. (laughs) Um, But I... I went out to my patrol car, had my duty bag on the front seat, and I froze. I was I was scared shitless. I I didn't want to go to work, and I couldn't. Uh, it was weird because I've never been afraid to go to work. I love my job, so I I had phoned my sergeant, uh, who actually is also a very good friend of mine, and said, "Bro, like I don't feel right." And he said, "Man, you're harboring a lot of stuff. You haven't dealt with your bus crash in the last in however many months." You're going through a separation in your relationship, and you announce this freaking walk across Canada. You need to go see your doctor. So, I was I was afraid to ask for help, and when I finally contacted somebody I trusted, yeah, I got the reassurance that it was okay to ask for help. What I think is so impressive is that that night you went ahead and made the phone call, yeah, to and thank goodness they were your friend because then it allowed you to have that vulnerability with them, right? Yes, I I've had moments where I've been terrified to go back into the workplace. And while I'm doing that, I'm feeling nauseous. I can't eat, whatever it takes, but I still forced myself to go because I wouldn't tell anybody instead. Right. But then you stay in the sickness loop. Yep. When you were scared, were you feeling sick? Were you? Oh, it was, uh, I, I think you described everything there. It's like, I'm not going to eat. You're shitting uh, yourself <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. It's uh, the physical effects it has on your body. Absolutely. Is, uh, is crazy. And I mean, we... It wasn't until I started going through therapy that I learned that it's the best thing I can ever do is listen to my physical, the physical signs. It's like our spidey senses when we go to a call. Listen to that because mm-hmm. it's registering like when the, the hairs stick up on the back of your neck, that's registering before your brain's cluing in what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, weird thing. You're right. Not eating, nauseous. Going to the washroom way too much. Yeah. The anxiety evacuation. Oh, yeah. No. But I love that your sergeant then says go call your doctor. Yeah. Now, that doesn't happen normally. You did two things. The two things went together there that I think saved your life. One, you knew something was off. You made the call. Two, the person who received the call said, there's something wrong. Go get help. Yeah. That does not happen. And that needs to happen, not more often, but every single time. Absolutely. Every single time. And not to be judged, not to be stigmatized, not to self-stigmatize, because that's the number one clincher first. We, we stigmatize ourselves, right? Yes. So you went, you talked to your doctor, you got your psychologist. Yes. It was actually the workers' compensation board that uh, contacted me, I think, three weeks after I was off work. And they asked me what they could do. And I said, I can tell you, I need help. I need a psychologist who understands first responder traumas, mm-hmm. not just some random 
person out to soak me for 220 bucks for an hour. I was very blessed with the psychologist who is back on board with me during this campaign, thankfully, and an amazing occupational therapist. And then I want to say it was December of 2021 that they actually had put my name forth to an amazing program called the Newly Institute, which started up in Calgary. And now they've opened an Atlantic one out in Fredericton. So I'm excited to get to meet these guys. But that was, you know, the last two months leading up to the walk where the extensive therapy and an amazing group of psychologists and occupational therapists there. So I lucked out. Now I advocate so much for the importance of mental health and finding a psychologist and the right fit. And you also brought up the occupational therapist. He changed my life. He taught me that I was injured, not crazy. That's right. It was the occupational therapist who did that. And he's like, you actually have a brain injury. And it changed the whole dynamic of how I thought of myself. And I think that's the other thing that people need to know. We're not disordered. We are injured. And we have to repair the injury like we would to any other body part, right? Yep. I'd like to go back to your, dare I call it a drunken revolution, that you were by that campfire with Captain Morgan. You went on Facebook. What? Where did you put the oh, message geez. that you were going to do this? Yeah. So you're Facebook. in the bag completely. Yeah. And yeah. tell me, take it from the campfire with you and Morgan and you're tanked and you go online. Yeah, I, I was on, um, funny how life works out. So a, a week before the bus crash, I was invited to join a Facebook group called First Responders Helping First Responders. Yeah, I jumped on board, let people know, you know, I've got post-traumatic stress. If you ever need to talk or reach out, get a hold of me. I will help you or do the best I can to help you or steer you in the right direction. So I, I had posted my story shortly after the bus crash. And then that drunken night, I actually went on to that that site and posted, hey, I'm going to walk the country. <laughs> and I believe me, oh man, the next morning, uh, I'm like, shit, did that really happen? So you didn't even know that you had done, like, was it a dream? Did it-, it was one of those, yeah, it's probably not real. It sounds like something I would do. And oh, shit balls. Yeah, it was there. Um, it was posted. And yeah, I gotten a lot of shit from my then spouse um, yeah. for posting that. And, and she had said, you know, and out of fairness, it's like, you don't have to follow through with this. I'm like, oh, but I do. And she goes, no, it's just on social media. It's, you know. Social media with how many followers? Uh, yeah, a lot. Right. And, and you know, true to my word. And that's, I think, a part of, of growing up and being in, in business before I got into law enforcement was, say you're going to do something, do it. Mm-hmm. Don't just throw it out there and then tuck your tail and, and go the other way. So, for, oh, geez, a lot of months planning this and training was, man, what the hell did I get myself into? Right. Now, as we're living it, the the walk and, and the amazing team that actually make everything happen for me, I, I just, I'm the face and the legs and the voice of the campaign, but it's all the magic that people are doing, whether it's Rick on the road with me or if it's, you know, Derek and Lisa on opposite ends of the country working all this magic to make a moment in time like this happened. Right. It's, it's pretty crazy. When I contacted you, it was January 10th. I had seen this, I'm going to walk across Canada moment of yours. And I was like, well, I wonder when he's going to start this. And is he going to pass Ontario? Because I'm going to drive and get this guy. And this is a great story. So I reach out to you and you're like, yeah, let's have fun, but I'll give you to Lisa. Okay. So Lisa Elsworth is your logistics coordinator. Yes. How did you come across Lisa to start planning everything? It's, uh, yeah, a follow-up to my drunken message on social media. I'm like, hey, is there anybody that wants to uh, to help make this walk happen? 
and here's my email address. And geez, it was probably within a half an hour of that, I had 20 people from right across the country uh, shoot me an email. And there's a few that, I mean, they've gone on with life. Life is busy. A few, like Lisa, since the inception of C2C has been at my side or in the background working magic. Yeah. So absolute strangers with uh, with very common injury. So it's cool how we've all sort of connected. There's none of the people that involved in the campaign, minus Derek Cameron, our, our communications officer, who I used to drum up a lot of business for, and he can talk about that on his own. Everybody else, we were just a bunch of strangers. Right. And with, a, I think, a common goal is to raise awareness and be a part of, of helping one cracked soul. Right. I think that was the, the main goal. If we can save one person, if we can help one person. Then you've done your job. Yeah. Then you've done your job. Lisa's in the room and you are a dispatcher. Where are you a dispatcher for? Uh, Halton Regional Police. Halton Regional Police. Okay. And you also have the injury of PTSI, correct? Yes. Okay. You see this story and you feel like this is a healing moment for me. What makes you want to jump on this bandwagon? Mental health is something I've always kind of been passionate about, wanting to see it become more normal, more accepted, not stigmatized. And then I saw his post and I was like, not knowing at the time that I needed this walk myself. And now that you are on the walk, now you know you needed this? Yes. Yeah? For you, Derek, how do you come in on this? I'm from the civilian side. I I work in the court system. So Chad would send a lot of business my way. Chad and I have been known each other for 12 years. Yeah, going on 12. And I would come to Chad and I'd say, look, I've got this young person. Would you mind speaking to them? talking to them about what a fatal accident looks like, right? Education, not knowing or really conceptually understanding what that might do to a police officer by asking them to relive. Does it help? Does it hurt? So when Chad announced that he was going for a walk across the country, and I sat back as someone in the public and, and trying to understand. Most of the public, we don't understand what person... The public don't understand that person truly. We don't get it. We're in a situation where we can't deal with this. We are incapable. That's why we call you 911. That person has to take that uniform and go home. Immediately go home that night. Immediately. And it has to be normal in that moment, right? Yes. Or a dispatcher sending out who has to go and then picking up the phone and answering the next one and the next one and the next one. No concept of someone who does this job day in and day out. You do this all day long. You had said that you have your own trauma, but nothing first responder-wise. But you don't need to wear a uniform. You don't need to be a first responder to have trauma in your life and also to have the symptoms of a PTSI. Maybe my voice is a different voice because I can go to the public and say, you need to start taking care of these people. And it's not just police officers. It's not just firefighters. It's dispatchers. It's nurses. Everybody doctors, corrections. doctors, corrections. Yeah. All the people that do the stuff we are incapable of doing every day. So you're on here then because you are being the change that you actually want to see. Yes. How many people ask, are you okay? There aren't very many people who do because you're just no. meant to be okay because that's your job, yeah. right? But if they did, Chad, would you actually answer truthfully? Probably not. But to know that somebody knew enough to ask that question... I'd be able to take that and 
probably not open up to that person, but I could go back to the office and find somebody who I am comfortable speaking with. Right. Or at least try and wrap my head around the question. Well, and the fact that someone took a few moments to actually give a shit and ask you to yes. begin with, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, how many people do we work with within the office that don't ask, don't see, or if they see, they ignore? They probably have their own shit going on too, oh, yeah. right? Yep. Absolutely. And then whoever's at home, they don't comprehend because that's not the life that they live. That's and, right. And we, as first responders or anybody in that uh, field and alike, we master mask wearing. Batman. Batman. <laughs> I don't want to see that outfit, by the way. <laughs> um, it's, what did you say? It's rich. It's extra small. Okay, there are some things here I need to leave and not think about, okay? <laughs> Don't do that to me, guys. So I want to talk about the track that's sitting down front. You've yes. got that beautiful, is it is it wrapped? It is wrapped. And now who wrapped the truck for you? Force Auto Styling out of Calgary. Yeah. Uh, top notch. And it was with awesome assistance from Legacy Place Society who allowed us to have the funds to be able to get that vehicle wrapped. Who does the vehicle actually belong to? That is my vehicle. That is my ride. Nice. And then then they wrapped it for you. Yes. Beautiful. You have a wingman. I do. And that would be Rick. Rick Chorney. Yes. And is Rick driving the truck behind you as you're walking? He is every day. Now talk to me about Rick. He's not in here right now. No. He is. Man, that guy's amazing. He has worn, I think, just about every first responder hat there is. I often bug him all the time, actually, not only because he's old. <laughs> when is this airing again? I'm going to make sure he's sick that day. It's going to give me about a week to edit. Okay. <laughs> I often throw the curveball at him. Like, man, if, if shit wasn't bad enough as a policeman, like, how did you think it was going to be any better as a fireman or a corrections officer? Yeah, all the hats that he's worn. And I know what it's like to have that accumulated post-traumatic stress build up over the, the length of a career. But he's seen every angle of it and, and faced it. For him to be here today, keeping my ass safe on the highway every day at a whopping six kilometers an hour is remarkable. He will have the answers as to why he's involved in the campaign. Personal, I'm sure. He just knows he's here for a reason. He's enjoying every moment of it. Now, tell me the routine. What happens? So you guys are out on the road. Tonight, you're in a hotel. Yes. Is this normal? Are you camping? Yeah, we've got a, we've got a motorhome. 30-foot motorhome with my 18, almost 18-foot trailer towed behind it. So we, Rick and myself, have both our personal space. So a lot of routine is wake up in the morning, we move camp to wherever Lisa tells us we have to move camp. So it's it's all the behind-the-scenes stuff. So we move camp, and then we've got to backtrack and then walk back, back towards camp. Yeah, and there's times where uh, we don't have that luxury, so we've got to walk for a full day, drive back, then move camp up ahead. Yeah, Monday to Friday. The the treat is you get a campground with a fire pit because burning wood is very important. Yes. But the treat is you get three or four nights in one place. Okay. And then it's a lot of back and forthing in the truck and walking to not have the stress of packing up camp at the end of the day mm -hmm. for the next morning. Uh, so, yeah, days are long. Days are, geez, like I'm usually up at five in the morning. The secret behind social media as we all know if you're on social media it's it's an ongoing thing and something since the inception of c2c is it's that three hours a day sometimes four hours a day depending on the post that we post about or whatever i blog about mm -hmm. it is me that responds to everybody on every platform so if it's instagram twitter 
LinkedIn, Facebook, I am responding to people who have dropped messages or well wishes uh, with the help of Rick. Rick will go give hearts or likes and, and a thank you brother or sister here or there. But there's a lot of, I, I mean, that's a lot of hours in a day. So the walking, the blogging, the responding to people, and then having that few hours a day where in the last, geez, last two months has been a few hours a night on the phone with my love yes. back home, which is very important. So there is, stay tuned for the, the chapter, but there is a love story associated to C2C. Oh, and let me tell you, the questions are coming for Lori. So oh, yeah, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've done it, my homework. Don't okay, you worry. Awesome. <laughs> so there, there's, yeah, it's a full day for us. It's not just wake up and, and walk for six or six and a half hours. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. How long, how many hours a day are you actually walking and how many kilometers are you putting in? Well, the the goal is by end week, and that can be over seven days uh, because I count every single step, is 200 kilometers a week. There are days where my ankles really suck or the heat is too much, which was the case a couple of days ago. There are the days where, you know, now that I can listen to my body, I know when it's quit time. Okay. And, yeah. And you listen to it. Oh, damn straight I do. Okay. Now I do. I'm getting a little wiser. All right. So how is the body feeling? Every morning you get up and you go oh, back yeah. at it or is it doing okay? Uh, body's good. First thing in the morning is I always do my body scan followed by my breathing, but I, I want to know how are my ankles? Do I like, is something off? Do I need to wrap my ankle this morning? What shoes am I going to be wearing? Walking the road depends on what the shoulder looks like or what the weather's doing. Okay. So yeah, it's uh, you. You realize doing a walk like this that your feet are actually very important in your life, mm -hmm. and you need to cherish them. You didn't talk about your mental health, but you wanted to take this initiative to help people with mental health. Yes, but you weren't doing your own work. No, I, no, I, I failed. <laughs> no, you didn't fail. You just didn't meet that requirement yet. Okay, I like the way you were. It sounds sounds better. Okay. Was there anything when you started the journey, did you feel mm, imposter syndrome, that you were fraudulent, that you were being a hypocrite? Yeah, 100%. Had a few guys at work that were really, really struggling with mental health in the workplace. And I, I would sit down with them, say, listen, guy, I'm the guy walking the country to raise awareness for this. So understand that me telling you to get help is very important. You got to believe me. Right. Guys were actually making the phone call to, to reach out for help. I could not self-advocate. I really struggled with that. It was easier to make sure somebody else was happy and in the right mindset versus taking care of myself for most of my life. Life has been about taking care of other people, never about myself. Mm -hmm. So now I talk very openly about how selfish I am with taking care of me. That's not selfish. You do know that, right? It, I know, but it's got the twist. Okay. I am selfish with my mental health in order to be able to be unselfish with helping others. So it's that it's that direct opposite. Yeah. So you, you were saying that you're selfish with your yeah. mental health. Yeah. Maybe that you can say instead of being selfish with your mental health that you're prioritizing your mental health now. You could. When I go back a couple of years, mm -hmm. two years and a bit. Mental health to me was just didn't seem important. Now I put it as a priority in my life. Me being selfish with my mental health, as I believe everybody should be. Yes. You, you have to put yourself number one so we are well enough to take care of those in our lives. You know, our, whether it's our, our spouse, our children, 
the people that we have all sworn to to help protect and keep safe. Doesn't matter at what level, whether it's military or any level of emergency service. If we're not taking care of ourselves in that manner, we're just not going to be able to do what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Now, speaking of what goes on social media, you did put up a post on August 18th. So today's August 19th recording date. August 18th, you said, yesterday I quit. So yesterday being the 17th then. What happened on the 17th that made you put I quit in capital letters, I'm taken off the shoes? Yeah, I never thought the day would come where I would hit just a wall. I woke up not feeling 100%. I was grumpy. I, I think for those of us with uh, with the PTSI, we, we understand what grumpy means. Mm-hmm. It, it's just an off day. And probably that one day I should have caught and said, today is a mental health day. I'm not walking. I didn't. I, I walked the road with a lot of bad thoughts going through my head. Okay. Are you able to share those or would you prefer uh, not to? Well, I, I'll say this. There are three people that um, have emotionally challenged me okay. um, since this, well, since we started walking, really tested me emotionally. And there are three people I no longer communicate with okay. by choice and have cut them out of my lives because I don't need these people in my circle. Toxic. Yeah. Very toxic. So when I was trying to process this negativity, I'm like, well, that's interesting. If I take the first initials out of all three of their names, it is TNT. I'm like, mind-blowing. Right. So, uh, and there was the, the heat. It was it was 31 degrees, and that's fine. Normally, if you're in Alberta, that's a great day here in Ontario and in the Maritimes. Get the humidity kicking in with that. You're at 40. Yeah, or like 700. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was hot. And, and when you're walking the... Uh, when you're walking the highway, there's no shade. You've got heat coming from up above and from below, like radiating off the asphalt. So I was was spent. And it took every ounce of positive, which there wasn't any that day, but the day before. I had some pretty amazing people show up along the road and did some walking with us and visiting. So I was able to actually grab a whole lot of stuff from the day before and said, this is the why. This is why I'm doing the walk. It's not to impress TNT. It's not to impress myself. It's it's about helping somebody else. Right. I took that reward, that treat from the day before, brought it forth, and crunched out the last few kilometers on a very positive note. I was excited to get to Ottawa. Right. So yeah, it was that was the day. If there was going to be a quit day, that was the day. Guess what? I'm not a quitter. No. But I, I also feel the importance of this campaign and what it stands for is being very open and transparent with people. And no, like I'm going through what so many other people are going through on those days we want to quit. The days where we need to be in that dark room with the lights out and nobody around us and contemplate life. Well, it's, it's no different walking the highway. Right. Now you had said you should have recognized that that was a mental health day and not walk. Have you done that before already? Yes, we, yes, we have. A really? few times. A few times where we wake up, we move camp and just the, the mood that I'm in is like, you know, we just we can't walk today. And you just need to take care of yourself. Yes. Amazing. Kudos to you on that. Because I don't know how many people would recognize. And if they did, how many would actually do what they needed to do to take care of themselves, right? right. You might feel the weight of, I've got all these people watching. I've got all these people waiting. They're looking for the blog. And if they see I didn't walk today, am I a failure? Yeah. Amazing. I think that's impressive. Good job. The other thing I find really interesting, you are a self-described empath. Yes. 
Tell me about that. <laughs> so when we put on our, our Batman, that woman outfit, when we sign up for doing what we do, we, um, we, we turn off that empath switch or it doesn't exist. I keep trying to do math. I keep forgetting I've been off work for a while. Probably about six years ago, I attended a motor vehicle collision. Thankfully, nobody was hurt, but I'm dealing with a young gentleman, 20, 21 years old, university student who was T-boned. We're out in very rural Alberta in minus 40. And here's a guy with nobody. He doesn't have family there. He's, well, he's stuck and it's cold. So I had him hop into my patrol car and help them make phone calls to get somebody to come out and rescue. Okay. And then I just opened up to him, which was crazy as just a dude. I'm like, yo, bro, tomorrow you are going to hurt. I have been in crashes. You need to go on your way home, get a bottle of whatever you really enjoy and enjoy the night and process everything that's happened. Tomorrow you're going to wake up and you are going to ache. And tomorrow is when you're going to want to go to see your doctor start your recovery. Right. The 20 minutes of chatting with this individual wasn't the chat. I didn't, I thought, well, I'm just being me. It was when his mom showed up to pick him up and she gave me a big hug. She just right in my space right now and just latched onto me and thanked me for taking care of her son. Right. The son sees this and he goes and lunges in for a big hug and then he stops himself. He said, man, I was just going to give you a big bro hug. Like you can give me a bro hug. So it was that night in the middle of nowhere, Alberta, that I realized it's okay to feel for the people that were out here helping instead of having that wall all the time where we show up to a crash and we're just robots. We're doing collision statements. We're asking for statements or reports, measuring up scenes, and then we just go on to the next call. So from that point on is when I found my empath switch just you know what? It's working. It's working great. I can sit in the ditch with somebody in the middle of nowhere, Alberta, and have a conversation and comfort them until somebody can come and help them out. Okay. But there's a kicker to that. When I showed up the bus crash in Jasper, I've always been okay with dealing with fatals. I, I have no problem with that. There's only been two that have really affected me. This This bus crash, I've got 14 people who are broken and there's nothing I can do for them. So I was tasked initially with creating a triage list, like shit, bro. I'm no doctor. I'm not a paramedic. What does this even mean? So it was actually explained to me what they needed me to do. Okay. And I walked around the back of the bus to where all these people were. And I just stood there and I bawled, literally bawled my eyes out for two minutes. And I'm like, man, these people really need some strength right now. So it's, you know, suck the tears back. When that empath switch kicked in a few years before, where I was comfortable helping people out, this really kicked me right between the, the eyes. But it's a good thing because it saved me. That bus crash, I will tell you, is the best moment in my life. As horrible as it was, it brought so much good. Okay, you, you can't stop there. You have to tell me more. Why is this the best moment in your life? That bus crash, as much as it almost destroyed me, was the reason... I was able to escape toxic people. I was able to finally get the help I needed. And holy shit, has got me here in Ottawa. So this this moment in time would not have happened if it weren't for that bus crash. So it was a gift. It was a gift. And getting you well. Yes. I mean, that's what we have to look at, right? We have to take something from the suffering that gives us purpose. Yes. Absolutely. Now, you had said something else about just this guy. Well, every post that you started with 
in the beginning and now as a hashtag is I'm just a guy. Yeah. Where does this come from? I look back to Terry Fox. Terry Fox is is my biggest inspiration. Okay. Um, and Rick Hansen and Joe Roberts. And, you know, the people that have walked the country for raising awareness or to make change. These are the people that I, I walk in their shadows. Nobody else. There's four people. You know, there's Mary-Kate McEachern who walked the country a few years ago as, as an armed forces veteran. So there's four people in my life that have walked the country and I walk in their shadow. I'm not here to compete with what they've done. I look back, they were, Mary-Kate is just a woman. Terry Fox, just a guy. Rick Hansen, just a guy. Joe Roberts, just a guy. And just as as people, not looking for fame or gain, we just want to raise awareness. We want to raise some money to help others. Yeah, I, I'm, to me, I'm Chad. My friends that know me, they'll watch me drink my beer, eat my pizza, eat cheese balls, have a have a, a bunch of laughs. Cheese balls. That's what that was funny. <laughs> I love cheese balls. So, uh, but I uh, deep fried or not? Uh, oh, I'll, anyway, any serve me a cheese ball. Doesn't matter how okay. it's done up. Okay. Deep fried cheese balls. <laughs> we'll <laughs> remove one of the fast and furious questions for the cheese ball. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but I, I, you know what? I'm I'm I am just a guy. I'm just a person. And I have now got a second chance at life. In the eyes of some, I'm doing something that represents them. And and obviously, everybody cannot just get up and find the time to walk the country. Even though my psychologist says he might start, you know, making recommendations that some of his patients just go for a walk. You know, just do what Chad did. Realistically, I think me is gr- growing up and, and looking for inspiration as a child. Man, we all remember the day, well, some of us remember Terry Fox and, mm-hmm. and the struggles and the emotion on his face and not doing it for self-gain. I've got nothing to gain out of this. Personally, I do have the the hope that we're helping somebody. Every day we get emails or I get direct messages on, on every platform on how this campaign has inspired somebody to ask for help or to get off the couch and, and just start walking. One foot in front of the other, right? Absolutely. I'd like to interject. What are you interjecting about, Derek? When I hear I'm just a guy, I agree. He is just a guy. And I know him personally as Chad. I think sometimes he doesn't realize how much he has affected people's lives. And I know he that keeps him humble, and that's great. He doesn't see what he does as great. But there's a lot of people that do. I like hearing him be humble like that. But I'd like to remind him he's not just the guy. He's doing something pretty damn incredible. That's love. That's bro love. Why do you have to preface it with a bro? You can just love each other as two guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. He's too short. He's too, <laughs> he's too short. Is there a problem with short guys? They were all the same height laying down. Don't worry about it. <laughs> True story. <laughs> True story, brother. True story. So speaking of love stories mm-hmm. and love, there is a love story here. There's a wow. lady back home. Yes. Lori. Yes. Tell me about Lori and your love story. Uh, so Lori and I, Lori's uh, a member of the RCMP. We met in Banff about 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I, I had just freshly transferred to Banff National Park from Northern Alberta. And there was Lori. And Lori, you know, her story to share, one of the most resilient people I have ever met. Incredible person. Go back to June 20th of this year. I've communicated with Lori off and on on social media, just a hey, or, you know, like, love, 
hug, whatever emoji things. So as friends at this point? As friends. Point? Yeah, and just friends. So okay. 10 years as, as friends. So June 20th, she contacts me on direct message. She's like, hey, Chad, you know, I want to get off social media. It's toxic. and But I enjoy following your journey. So I just want to make sure that I've got your, your phone number and keep in touch with you. Sure. But there was that little, that red flag that popped up. I'm like, Lori, are you okay? Because mm-hmm. it just seemed like a weird message. Yeah, she's fine. She just wanted to get off social media and keep following the campaign. We exchanged cell phone numbers and we were chatting for a bit. And uh, this Captain Morgan guy keeps entering my life. So I had a couple, <laughs> I had a couple pops after a long day on the road. And I, I said, Lori, this is kind of cool that you've contacted me. Like I had a major crush on you <laughs> back in Banff like 10 years ago. And then it's like, like, I've got nothing to lose. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Ontario. And uh, if she doesn't respond back, that's okay. And, you know, it was probably less than a minute. She's like, oh, my God, I was totally crushing on you. So, we, uh, since that date, June 20th, every day. An we, online romance. Online. and But we know each other. So, the, the cool thing with this whole relationship is we get to know each other through actual phone conversations. It's right. not, I mean, we send texts like everybody else does, but it's genuinely those weekends where I'm up till five in the morning having a phone conversation with her and we're just learning about each other. So when we get home, when I get home, it's full on, like it's it, a relationship has been built, even though we're so many kilometers away from each other. Right. So it's it's kind of cool if Hallmark ever picks up on this uh, <laughs> This this walk, no hallmark that there is a love portion attached to this campaign, and it's kind of crazy and, and fun. You count the days on the road, and they keep climbing. I'm actually counting the days until I get back home. You've never taken her on a date? Never taken her on a physical date. We, uh, we, we both have admitted when we worked in the same detachment together that we'd find excuses to go around the detachment and, and see each other. And that was it. And we'd gone for coffee and, you know, it's a police setting. So we're always going out for coffees or or lunch, but to not know that one of us had a crush on the other, but we were both going through a lot of drastic changes in our life. So it wasn't the right time back then, but this just happens to be the perfect time. And it's it's pretty cool. Are you in love? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's amazing. I'm, I'm genuinely happy for you. You're raising funds. How are you doing in the fundraising business right now? Well, I'm going to tell you it's shitty. The funds raised so far have gotten us this far. There's who would have thought that a a walk across the country would cost money. Surprise, it costs money to fuel the truck and the motorhome and groceries, camping. Yeah, it's, you know what, we could always use more. And my mindset is if we break even on the campaign, the most important thing about the campaign was raising awareness. It wasn't about raising money. Right. But anything that is left over will go back into mental health initiatives for our first responders and our veterans. So if people want to throw money at you to help you for the rest of the tour, where can they throw their money? Uh, they can actually, there is a GoFundMe link hooked up to our website, www.c2cforptsd.ca. Okay. Or they can track us down on Facebook or Instagram, send me a message and hey, I'll take your money anyway. Is there anything else about C2C for PTSD that I haven't touched on or that you want us to know? I think that the big message is we can all play our part with crushing the stigma, breaking the stigma associated to mental health just by having conversation amongst our coworkers. Believe me, it's tested, tried and true. 
every time before I went off work that I would have a conversation about mental health in our bullpen, there's that one person that right. gets up and walks out the door. Don't worry about that one person. He's probably got bigger problems than the rest of us have. But starting a conversation opens up everybody else. And you'll find that 90% of the people in your office, and it doesn't matter what rank or whether the civilian or boots on the ground member, we're all touched with the shit, but we just don't talk about it. So right. it takes that one person to start a conversation. So that's the biggest message with the campaign is, is we can all play a part in breaking the stigma. At the end of every show, I do a Fast and Furious, and it's just like 10 quick questions to try to get to know you a little better. Okay. You answer however you like. I'm going to minus question one because of the cheese ball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Like, are you like cheese ball, meaning cheese that's formed and you dip crackers in it? Yes. So that's what you're talking about. Well, and so many people go to the like the little round, like cheesy cheese balls. I'm like, well, those are delicious okay. with beer. But yeah, I'd like so the actual cheese, cheese ball. balls. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it sounds like a religious experience it's, for you. <laughs> it's heavenly. I wish I had known. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> this is good. Now you're in Ottawa. Yes. What are you going to do while you're here? So I've got the big things on my bucket list that I have been for years. Uh, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, obviously. Absolutely. The Police and Peace Officer Memorial, Terry Fox Memorial. Those are the three big things. Anything outside of that is bonus. Our surprise this morning with having one of the assistant commissioners of the RCMP who's in charge of the wellness division uh, walk alongside of us. It's freaking huge. So that was a bonus. Hanging out with Ottawa Police and the Ottawa Police Association bonus. Nice. Another question. You talk about Captain Morgan. Yes. Spicy or not? Spice. <laughs> Although, if there's nothing else around, I don't judge the captain. Whatever the captain is serving up, I'm good with. So, now you say you like your beer, so I got to go there too. Are you a craft guy or are you like the really bad Coors Lake Canadian crap? Oh, I think I just alienated Lisa. Yeah, she's... Lisa, come on. It's piss. It, thank you. Thank you. So, so Okay, we're going out tonight, Lisa, and I'm going to introduce you to some beers. Yes, please do. So we've got actually, uh, so craft beer. Yeah. I always, I'm up for a great craft beer. IPA, um, blondes, pale... IPAs. Okay. Uh, interesting enough, Polarity Brewing in Whitehorse. So if anybody in Whitehorse is listening, they develop C2C IPA for us. That is spectacular. Yeah. Helping us raise some funds. The owner of Polarity, I believe, is a paramedic. If I got that wrong and you're listening, I apologize. I know he, he helps people. He's a helper. He's a first responder. So they've done something really cool. And my brother, actually, who is a flight nurse up in, in Whitehorse, sent us four cans. So I'm, I'm excited to try this stuff. Give me a funny story that you've had on the trip so far. Okay. Probably the, <laughs> the day I decided I was going to wear leggings. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you wear leggings it was freaking cold and it was uh <laughs> so it was alberta so they're white leggings and and <laughs> they've got c2c for ptsd on they're men's leggings it's like i ordered this shit because it's cool okay so anyways I, I wear these things and a young lady that was part of the campaign at the beginning she saw me in these things and she just says oh god please tell me you're gonna put shorts on over those i'm like what are you talking about she goes like, those are leggings. You need to wear shorts over top of them. I said, I've seen guys wearing shorts over leggings and it looks ridiculous. So, I, I kind of clued in to what she was talking about. I'm like, don't worry, I'm wearing underwear underneath this. Anyways, I, I hit the road. I guess the, the shirt that I was wearing made it look like I was wearing a skirt. I, <laughs> this shirt is 
coming underneath my reflective vest and Rick, smart ass in the truck, radios me and says, hey, it looks like you're wearing a skirt with your leggings. So I, obviously, being a dude, I just tucked my shirt into my pants. And then it looked like I shit myself from his angle. So he said, that looks worse. You might want to untuck that. That's probably the, the funny. <laughs> I guess it's got to be a lived experience. You look at me, I am not laughing right now. But everybody else everybody is. Else it's hilarious. Is, it yeah, is. it's hilarious. And I didn't see any pictures. Nobody would take pictures. So I just put the leggings away. I thought there was going to be an end to the story that because the no. leggings are white, that it rained too. And I think oh. I would have been mortified. <laughs> me too. <laughs> okay. I would have quit the walk that day for real. Okay. So on the campaign, what is one of the best towns you've been in? Oh, that's not even a fair question. We are asked in every community, whether it's a big city or small. Canada has, oh man, everybody's been so amazing. There is not one better place than the other. I talk about it all the time with the team. Is if you want to see the great side of humanity and you walk for whatever cause, whatever you're walking for, we remain politically neutral. So the, the four things that we never talk about on the campaign, we do not talk politics. We do not talk religion. We do not talk COVID or convoys. We just don't. Everybody's allowed to have their own opinion. We just remain neutral. And by doing so, we get people from both sides of the political fence because mental health affects every human being. Yeah. It's not limited to anything. So the reception rate across the board has been fantastic. So Canada as a whole has rocked it. There's no great place. There are places I would think of moving to because they're picturesque yeah. and they're beautiful. Which ones then? That's a secret. Okay. I've already talked to Lori about this. So she's from the Kingston area. So I don't know what that's going to bring. But I mean, walking through Ontario, I'd never, I have driven through Ontario. I've never walked it before. 11 weeks of walking Ontario. You get to see all the, the splendor and beauty of every community and communities you would just normally drive by. Right. As a destination driver. How many provinces have you been to before this campaign? I have never been to Newfoundland. And I've never been to the Northwest Territories. I've been to the border of, but have not been into the Northwest Territories or into uh, none of it. What are you looking forward to on the rest of the journey? Next stop is Montreal. Yeah. So it's definitely uh, real poutine, not this fake stuff we have back in Alberta or BC. If we're going for the real deal. Yeah. And I want to try 50 flavors of poutine <laughs> in Montreal. Uh, and, Good thing and, you're walking so much. <laughs> and then uh, when we hit uh, New Brunswick, obviously looking for some delicious seafood. I mean, they're the simple pleasures. It's food. Food keeps me happy. And it's, you know what, more amazing people. It's always about the people and, and meeting, especially the people you get to meet that you've known on social media, but never get to meet them in person. Right. So there's a big positive with this journey. It is. And do you find that being a part of this online community for PTSD is part of the healing process? Absolutely. The connectivity? Speaking with you, speaking with you, Lisa, one day I think you posted something about you were feeling down. I was moved by that. So I messaged you. We don't know each other. We've never met. But I was moved by the fact that we've been in touch. I know that we would be meeting each other eventually. I just, yeah, this this connectivity for this community and the love that they have for each other. So getting to meet people along the way, oh, yeah. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. We all draw energy from one another. So me going down my path of healing is who is doing what with podcasts, who is doing what with starting conversations on social media. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I can relate with that person, this person, this person. And you watch them on their path of healing, and I draw inspiration from a lot of these people. And when I get to meet them, 
like this morning with Marie, here's a person who I have watched through her, what she has done with her life over the last few years. And I draw a lot of energy. I'm like, man, if this lady is doing this, I should have no problem walking the highway on a hard day or Sid walking with us on Tuesday. Three guys that uh, I drew a lot of inspiration from was uh, John and Wired Differently and Grant with uh, Honey Badger Alliance and then Chris Gore with Gore Actual. The times where, man, I did not want to get up in minus 35 and go out and train for this walk. Yeah. And boom, Chris Gore would be up already at stupid o'clock in the morning. 4.30, 4 o'clock. I get to do this with his <laughs> taking a picture of, I'm like, dude, it looks colder there in Saskatchewan than it is at home. So yeah. I'd get off my ass and go for a walk. So to, to crunch out a couple kilometers with him and hang out with him for, what, a week, I guess, in Saskatchewan was yeah. pretty cool. You realize how big names they are actually in the mental health community. Whereas I'm just watching one small portion of their story and their resilience where I draw power from. So when I, when I meet them in person, it's kind of like meeting you. It's like you're a celebrity. I get to sit down with. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. see, wait, 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 wait. Oh, no. Well, but I, to me, I, as a humble person, I look at the people that are out there making difference on a daily basis. And I need to draw power and inspiration from people that are a voice for the rest of us. Got it. So you rock it. This is an honor to be able to sit with you because you're a voice and you're helping make change. Well, thank you. That's very beautiful and very kind. Thank you so much. And I, I also think that you just touched on the importance of being humble about it, right? Mm -hmm. You're not here for fame. You're not here for celebrity. We are all here putting a purpose to the pain that we had. And yes. that's to pull each other person that's still down out. Turn yes. around and pull them out, right? That's right. You're going to make me emotional on my own damn podcast. You're allowed. I cry at least once a day. Really? It's great therapy. I am so proud of you for saying that out loud. I wouldn't have said that out loud. I still struggle with that. I can tell you I struggle with crying and I can tell you I hate it and I don't want to do it. I am forced to by my therapist. So I'm proud of you for saying that you do it. It's every day I do a blog. I mean, there's a, the cheesy posts, the, the one-liners or two-liners. I mean, I got to have my humor. But when I sit down and type out what you see on social media, I have deleted probably 10 paragraphs somewhere in there because it just becomes too long. Each blog I do is an opening to a chapter of the book I will write. Question number 10. Okay. Do you have a book? Because I see you writing and you do have anecdotes and you have one and two liners and they are beautiful. But within the blog itself, you have a lot of parables and messages that you're giving out to everybody. I'm transparent. When I'm going through the shit or the good, I will write about it because that's what this campaign is about. I can't walk down the highway and say, I'm going to be this person for somebody and nobody can relate They'd be like, who is this guy just walking down the highway saying he represents post-traumatic stress? I'm like, no, I go through these horrible moments like most of us do. Right. And I dig deep. But, you know, know the days that I'm struggling or I have struggled because that is reality. But deleting a whole bunch of stuff is, it's okay. Because what I have left there has opened up to that first page in a chapter when I do write the book. So I can go back. I suck at journaling. I'm not going to lie. I... I'm not a fan of journaling. Got a lot of pictures amongst the team that are great brain refreshers yeah. and great moments and memories, but everything on social media, I can just print off and boom, here it is. And now I can write a chapter based on all what this was and try and, I guess, put to paper the shit that's going through my head and put it into layman's terms. That's amazing. You guys are going to be heading home and you'll come back when for the Maritimes? June 15th of 2023. Okay. Now, Lisa and Derek, are you going to be back on that tour? Hope to be. Hope to be. 
I love it. I cannot thank you enough for allowing me to invade your space, take your time. You're in Canada's capital, and I'm so grateful and I'm so honored to have met you. I'm honored to have met you, Derek and Lisa. Thank you for continuing to keep me up to date. And when you guys come back. Yeah, I think actually something's in the works for October for back here in Ottawa. This has been fantastic. I've loved it all. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.